Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's mentally yours for melanin effect. A focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally Yours. Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours. My name is Yvette Castor and today I'll be chatting to Jodie Yaman. She's a psychotherapist and author and also a YouTuber and she's based in New York. We're going to be chatting about children and anxiety and how parents can support their kids through these difficult times. Hi Jodie, thanks very much for joining me um, to chat on Mentally Yours. Um, first of all, how have you been doing um, just generally during the pandemic? Well, I think things have been up and down for me personally and for everyone around. You know, some days seem like everything's normal and then other days it's really in your face. So uh, I think I'm just the same as everyone around. I, I think our young people are struggling the most and people who are isolated are really struggling a lot. So I'm lucky to have people around me in my house. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's the main thing we're sort of chatting about. And I really appreciate you sort of taking the time to chat to me about that. Um, it's about um, how young people are dealing with the pandemic and also um, how young people with anxiety um, are sort of dealing with mm. it. Um, what advice can you give to parents in terms of supporting children with anxiety, especially at the moment? Well, yeah, especially now. You know, anxiety is one of those weird things because it 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 is it has different objects. Like so people are nervous about different things. And so the first thing to do when your child has anxiety or teenager, you want to know what specifically they're upset about. Like what is the anxiety targeting 
telling you that this is a problem. Because sometimes you could just reassure them. Sometimes you could really look at something and analyze it and realize this is not something to worry about. And that could be quite helpful. That would be like the first step. Because a lot of times you could get rid of some anxiety just in doing that. What specific anxieties um, do young people have that are sort of different to adults? Well, I think younger people have more of the worry that people are judging them. I think as we grow up, we start to shed a little bit of that. I've heard that in your 40s and your 50s, you just really stop caring. So I'm looking forward to that time. But, you know, it's about, you know, when this is their time in their life that peers mean so much to them. So if there is any kind of exclusion or being left out or someone saying something, and usually they're all in this immature state trying to figure out who they are. And so the other people saying this stuff, it's really about them than about like your child. So when they're bullying or they're judging or they're saying this stuff, it's really about them. But your child, of course, because they care so much about what people think about them, are really taking that into their heart. So it's a, those are, that's really the biggest anxiety. Like, what are people going to think about me? What are they, are they looking at me? What are they judging about me? That's really skyrocketed, especially with social media. It's really skyrocketed. Yeah. What are your thoughts on social media and how it's affected the mental health of young people? Well, I did my TEDx Wilmington talk about this because I see that there's three different messages that being on social media brings us that makes us feel really out of control and then leads to anxiety. And one of them, which is the most obvious one that we all know about, is this comparison culture. You know, you're comparing your backstage mask to somebody else's highlight reel, and it's just not real. You know, they're filtered they're edited, they only show you the good things. And so you think that everyone's doing all this great stuff. Now, ordinarily, we look around and everybody looks fine and normal and confident and happy because anxiety and low self-esteem are quite invisible. So when you're feeling it and you're looking around, you think everyone else is fine but you, but actually they're all struggling just like you are. It's just that you feel like you're the only one. And that feeling of difference really intensifies it. it makes you feel different makes you feel wrong makes you feel like what's wrong with me why am i why don't i belong and humans want to belong so bad and teenagers they want to belong i mean that's like their foremost <laughs> job right now is to find people to find peers to connect with so that's what's been really hard about this pandemic is the isolation that they're feeling because this is the time they're supposed to be with their friends so I, I didn't tell you about the other two. One, the other one is, uh, the second one is trauma that they see online. You know, on social media, they're getting all the news alerts, and so they're seeing horrible things and violent things happening, sometimes really far away, and that feels so random and out of control that you might be vulnerable too. And when you see that online, there's nothing you could do about it, so you feel helpless, and that increases the anxiety. And then the third reason social media is really in our face right now is it really interrupts our sense of worth by advertising. So the advertising is like you're worthy just because, you know, you have to, it, it gets us to think that we should just get stuff. We're losing that cause and effect. We haven't learned that we have to do something to get something. And we think things ha happen randomly. 
with all three of these messages, actually, we think things happen randomly. And so kids are not in touch with their own skills and abilities. And that's increasing their depression, increasing their anxiety. It does feel as well like the pandemic sort of really intensified, um, especially sort of the second thing you mentioned about sort of um, all the you know, challenging things mm-hmm. going on in the world. So, I mean, especially, mm-hmm. I mean, living in the sort of situation we are at the moment. And it's almost mm-hmm. like you can get cut, caught in the cycle, can't you, of sort of thinking, well, I better check what's going on, but then getting really stressed about it, but then feeling like you can't stop looking at it. Um, what right, advice, it feels irreverent. <laughs> what advice do you have um, for young people when it comes to social media and also to parents? Well, I think there should be some limits. You know, when teenagers are on it all day, a lot of times their mood goes down, their anxiety goes up, but they don't realize that connection. And so when they get off it for a little while and you question them, they've done studies about it, they feel better like within an hour, having an hour off, but they don't really, they're on so much, they don't realize the difference. You know, they don't have that awareness to look at it and be like, why do you feel different right now? Oh, I haven't had my phone in an hour. But there is a there is a startling difference when they have some separation from their phone because they're not in their head doing that all. And they're actually learning to read life again. You know, online or on these devices, the world is like highly deciphered for you. Like we're really influenced in how we read because people are presenting it they the way they want you to read it. But if we're in regular life and we're walking down the street and looking around and people watching, we get to start to read the world, right? We're, learn, we're using our abilities of noticing to figure things out. And we, we're losing our touch with those skills, which are really, really important. Because once you realize you could read the world, you start to trust yourself a little bit more. And then anxiety really can't control you if you trust yourself. Like anxiety is the opposite of trust, really. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, it's it does feel like even now it feels like quite a sort of distorted world looking on social media. I mean, it feels like during the pandemic, people were doing less of the the fancy posts sort of saying, you know, my life's so perfect because we all knew that it wasn't perfect, really. But you still that, get that kind of comparison and that sort of intensity of experience. I mean, you sort of got this weird experience at one point, didn't you, with people almost competing with the things that they were doing in lockdown and showing off, you know, the new hobbies that they they picked up exactly but then once we opened up a little bit in the U.S. I I think it might be different in the U.K. but I'm in the U.S. and so once we started to open up a little bit the peers were getting together like teenagers were getting together some families were stricter than other families because of compromises within that family health compromises and so some teens were getting together and showing on social media being together with each other and so kids were feeling really left out i mean they were all after shelter in place for so long they really were longing for time with their friends and then once they saw their people getting together so it was, it's really difficult i think the us is a little bit unique in that is that everybody thinks about this really differently and it's kind of a bizarre situation. So um, so if you're a teenager and one parent is like, this is not even true, and then the other family is like, we have to be careful, grandma lives with us, then the kids are like, they lose out, you know? Yeah. Um, what advice do you have for parents in terms of supporting their children sort of through this difficult time? 
I think a constant check-in is really important right now. You don't want your child to be in their room very long. Isolation is not good for the human mind. And so we want them out and engaging with us. Some people are in hybrid schools and some people are 100% online all over the place, all over the world. So I, I don't know what situation you're in, but either way, they're home more. And so spent checking in, spending time together. We need person to person contact. So our teens, our tweens, our kids, they need to be around people and they need a sense of novelty too. So we need routine and we need novelty. They sound like the opposite, but they're not really because novelty is like something new in the week. It could just be one thing, one day a week, you try to bring something new that you haven't done or you haven't done recently into the week. And, and a lot of times in lockdown, yeah, people were making stuff or creating things. That was our, our mind's need for novelty. And if we don't have that, we start to shrivel up a little bit and our bandwidth gets smaller. We start to really get depressed. We need to invigorate and charge our mind up. So we need a sense of novelty. So that's something that the parents could always keep an eye on, trying to help the kids get creative and do something that makes them feel like they have a sense of purpose. Mm. What advice do you have for parents also just in terms of um, having these sort of new conversations? I mean, because I imagine sometimes it might be difficult for parents if um, if their child sort of really seems hooked on social media and you can kind of understand why, because if that's the, how they've been sort of keeping in touch with friends, they might sort of not really want to put sort of the phone down. How do they approach those sort of conversations? I think it has to be gradual. So if there's no rules at all, and then go to, you have two hours a day on screen time, and then that is too drastic. And so you might have to go the opposite. You might have to be like, let's do a half hour a day to walk outside together or uh, or something, or it has to, you have to do this to earn this. Walk outside for a half hour with no phone. And some parents are like, I don't want them to do that. What if something happens? They need their phone. But what happened what happened in the 80s when we walked around with no phone around the neighborhood so having a little bit of time without the phone would be a way you were going to do it gradually a little bit of time here a little bit of time there and getting them involved in doing something some kind of creative activity that they don't need their phone for would be a way to consistently grow that time away from their phone. We're not going to have our kids get rid of their phone altogether. And we're not going to have, you know, it's not going to be drastic because this is the world we're living in right now. And with the social distancing, they do, even when they're in school two days, nobody could talk to each other. Everybody's so far apart. So they really do need some social time. Um, so yeah, at this point, I mean, I used to coach parents about how to get their phone away from their teen and now it's, everything's really different. Um, so what advice, um, do you have for parents themselves? Um, cause this is such a stressful time we're living in really for everyone really, aren't we sort of right across the age groups? Um, what about sort of for parents who are sort of maybe struggling with their own mental health? Um, what advice would you give them in terms of I don't know whether sort of do you think they should kind of try to shield the children from how they're feeding or like how would how should they approach it? Oh, that's a good idea. I think that I think that we're all responding to this. This is huge for everybody. 
And so normalizing that feeling is okay. So it's okay to have your kids say like, I'm struggling. This is weird. I miss my friends. I miss all of this. So they, they could, you could normalize that that's okay for them to feel too. But if you're so distressed and feel out of control, that could obviously spark fear in your kids. And so that's where the line gets drawn. It's like, yes, I feel really bad, but this is what we're going to do about it. That's how you would approach the kids as parents. Yes, when I feel bad, this is human to feel bad. And when I feel bad, this is what I do. And so if they see you, you're you're actually modeling for them what to do. That would be great. So it's, you don't have to keep all of the emotions away from your kids, but at least use it as teaching if you can. Or if you say, I just need a little break. It's really good for me if I have a little break. That helps me recharge. It's good for all people to have a break. It helps me reach, helps all people recharge. And then it normalizes it and doesn't create fear in the kids. Like even my mom's out of control. Now who's, you know, who's taking care of me? That would be too upsetting. But, um, but we're human. You have to really be kind to yourself and your humanity and get support. Even you, like even parents, are, they're isolated it is too hard of a job right now to be isolated. You need to make some connections to give yourself some support. Mutual support is obviously great, but if you need to um, get support from a professional, that is really okay right now. There's so many people available and and ready to help. Um, you're a mom yourself. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. And um, so, have you found um, sort of the family side of things during the pandemic? Well, uh, my youngest is 16, actually. So she's been up and down, really a lot, a lot of work. I mean, her school is really piling on a lot of work. And so sometimes she's doing well, and sometimes it's like you had it. And I really feel like that's exactly what I would expect anyone to feel right now. And I'm lucky I know that because as a psychotherapist, I work with all my clients and I understand this is what they're all going through, but I'm not, I don't get alarmed by it. I'm like, okay, of course we're going to have days like this. And then we put something in place. We have something that we have something to look forward to. Actually, we've been using this technique since she was little that you know, when you're really upset or when you're going through a really hard time, sometimes it's good to have a, some kind of touchstone to look forward to in the future, just to kind of get your mind off it or have some faith or hope that you could get through it. And that's actually really helped her get through this time. My boys are older and they just wanted to play board games. And of course they were bored and isolated, but it was nice to have all five of us home. Actually, we had, at least we had people. Mm. How have you found things sort of in terms of your work? So you've got a really interesting career, right? you're obviously a therapist, but you're also a YouTuber and an author and you've done the TEDx course. How have you sort of managed everything? Well, uh, I've been working way, way too much, but I do have that big capacity. Like I do a lot of self-care and in this uh, pandemic, I really increased my self-care rituals so that I could have more bandwidth. And now, in fact, I'm really teaching a lot. I'm in my videos online. I'm really teaching emotional resilience and emotional bandwidth because I saw myself go, go through the process with these really practical tools, how to, how to really sink in and feel supported. Even if you even if you're in this crazy time and it feels so uncertain and unsupported, how to do these self-care things that really help you get support from the field, from the energy field. 
is as empaths and sensitive people, we're all pretty sensitive and we take on all that negative energy. And so people are, are increasingly shriveled up in their emotional capacity to handle one more thing. And so now I think I feel like it's my job. I feel like I'm made for this time. Uh, and it's my job to really spread the word. Okay, we need to increase our emotional bandwidth because this is getting a lot and this is how you do it. And so that's been, um, it's been really rewarding practicing those things myself, seeing the results and then sharing that with other people to help them get through it. Sure. Do you mind sharing with our listeners just a few sort of of your kind of key tips in terms of um, self-care and also um, working towards building resilience? The resilience stuff, I, I started to notice that on, on lockdown, what our brains need, you know, you just think about what are the basics your brains need, your mind. And the basics is routine, getting back to a sense of routine because we lost it in March. And so creating it for ourselves, that routine, it's going to sleep the same time, waking up, eating, doing exercise each day, those kind of things, getting good sleep. That was important. And then having a sense of purpose, like having something in your day to have give it meaning. Because when people had nothing going on, they just are untethered. They don't feel very good. They don't feel their sense of worth just plummets. And then I also mentioned the novelty. Having a little bit of novelty gives you something to look forward to. It gives you something to charge your mind up. If it doesn't have something interesting or something to learn or something new to experience once in a while, it'll go into the negative thinking because our brain has so much capacity to do so much problem solving and figuring stuff out and all this. And so when we don't have that, it will just kind of create problems. That's where anxiety that's a lot of the reason why anxiety grows is because there's nothing to do. And so our brain creates something. And so we, if we have that novelty and that sense of purpose that helps in routine, it helps that the routine settles the mind and always having something creative. So always having something you're doing creative, this goes along with the novelty and the purpose actually, but it also is like you're using that prefrontal cortex and when you use it, it develops and it makes you more robust as a, a person mentally and emotionally. And lastly, some sense of community. We cannot be isolated. That just doesn't work for our minds. It doesn't work to be isolated. It just, you tend to go into a negative spiral really quickly when you're isolated. And the more you're isolated, that more that happens. And it's hard to get someone out. You know, when I meet somebody in therapy and they're like, I don't even care if I get better. I don't, I don't, I don't think I'll get better. I really don't care if I do or not. I'm just, if I, if some, if I talk to someone like that, I know that's not just a, a lot of depression. That means that person's been so isolated that they're, their, um, you know, their neuropeptides haven't, their neurotransmitters haven't released. Like there's no dopamine that they haven't had anything interesting happen because they're so isolated that they don't care if they ever see something interesting again. And that's a problem from isolation, not from too much depression. So the depression makes you isolated and the isolation causes that symptom. And, and so if they get out and doing something, then the dopamine starts triggering again and then they want to get better. I think that's such a, a good reminder to people at the moment as well, because it's it feels like it's been such a balance over the past few months um, in terms of, you know, being safe, staying safe, you know, following our government's guidelines, but also trying to look after our, our mental health. Um, just finally, do you have any sort of final advice or tips, particularly sort of the parents sort of worried about their young people and sort of their mental health 
over the pandemic? I think I think model having faith, model having hope. They need that hope, and so do you. Like this, is, we could get through this. You know, humans have been through worse on this earth, through much worse times, and so it does seem a little bit doom and gloom, especially early on. It was like, how are we ever going to? And now, because it's been so long, but if you keep that faith, it'll help you. It'll help them. It's like, okay, this is what we're made for. We are problem solvers. Human beings, our brain has evolved to problem solve and we will figure this out and we will get through it. So if you have that faith, if you work on that faith in yourself, you will spread it. It'll be contagious to your kids and it'll really, really help them and trust themselves too. Thanks, Jodie. I love that. That's a really great um, way to finish it, I think. Um, Was there anything else you wanted to add? I uh, know I'm so excited about it. If anyone wants to talk to me or or watch my videos, my uh, website's jodyamen.com, J-O-D-I-A-M-A-N.com. So this is goodbye from Mentally Yours. So go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores from Mentally, 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 Mentally Yours. Mentally Yours. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed today, please contact the Samaritans on 116-123 or go to their website at samaritans.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a rate or review. Five stars would be lovely. Also, if you've enjoyed this, come and have a chat to us on Facebook. We've got a group called Mentally Yours. Also, we have a Twitter, which is MentallyYRS. See you next time. 